Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Yeah, why don't you thank these guys? Thank you very much. And uh, I'd also like to just say thank you to um, Pastor Mel who has uh, been my friend for a long time, um, for trusting me to stand up here and, and preach to the church. I appreciate it and I um, never take it for granted. Thank you, Mel. Uh, this is week two of our series called By My Spirit. And uh, last week, Pastor Mel told us that the, the series was going to be about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, which is great. I'm going to spend a fair bit of my time talking about what the Holy Spirit does. Um, and uh, I'm going to start by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Strap in, there's a few verses here. <clears throat> it says this, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? We can't read other people's minds, right? They know what they're thinking, but we don't. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand. Everybody say that, so that we may understand. We've received God's Spirit so that we may understand. What we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. So, in any, person, in any person's faith journey, there are phases, if you like, like steps as, along the way. You know, and the, and the very first phase is really, I'm just banging around in life, unaware of Jesus, unaware that I need him, unaware of anything. Just trying to make sense of life in a carnal, kind of um, uh, atheistic way. I'll just make my own way. I'll be the boss of my own life. Um, I don't need anything else. And then there's another phase, and that's the phase where God actually starts calling us. Like, he, we think that we find God, but he finds us, actually. And at the right time, he starts to draw us to himself. And there's a new phase where, and in that phase, you start to become aware of a lack of some sort. There's a gap. There's a bit missing. I'm, I'm missing a piece of the puzzle somehow. Um, and I'm becoming aware of that, that, uh, you know, there's, there's got to be more to it than this. Purpose becomes really up there in all your thinking and you go, well, what am I here for? What's it all about really? And that's that phase. And then there's another phase where you begin to realise that you haven't been looking for a what, you've actually been looking for a who and that is Jesus Christ and you realise it's him, it's him I've been looking for all along. And then there's another phase where you might even be in a meeting like this or maybe somewhere else and God gives you as a gift the conviction in your heart and the faith to believe 
and you respond and say, I accept Jesus into my heart, into my life. And you become what the Bible describes as a newborn baby. <laughs> I'm a newborn now. I've just taken that very first step. But do you see how there are so many phases before we even get to there that we walk through in life? And then after that, there are more phases. That's not the end either. Oh, great. You've accepted Christ. You're born again. The Bible says you're newborn. But that's not the end. There's more steps after that. You know, sometimes people take the step of obedience of being baptized in water. They learn about how it will benefit them and how it will enhance their spiritual life to take a portion of their income and give it to God. They, they, all these other steps. And there's a step that, that is not uniformly accepted right across the body of Christ around the world, but is accepted by billions of Christians, and that is another step called the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Where you choose to do that, you choose to yield to it and ask for it, and you get drenched, and it's a, it's a, it's a marker on the road, it's a time, moment in time, you will never forget it, it's dramatic, it's real, and we are that kind of a church that believes in this baptism in fire where you start to speak in a language you've never learned, you never went to school and learned it, you just start talking it as you yield and give over and that God gives you the ability to do it. And it's mysterious. And because of that, there is a great portion of the church, the Christian church, that want all of the, all of the gospel except for that bit because that's not very comfortable. It's outside my comfort zone. I like my belief in God to be under my control, and that feels out of control. Well, you know why it feels out of control? Because it is um, out of your control anyway, but it's a safe place to be out of control and under God's control. Um, so, my parents actually got booted out of their church when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They went, oh, we've got this new thing. It came from God. And they went, yeah, see ya. There's the door. You're too radical for us. Catch you later. Um, so they, you know, it didn't take them very long to find some other people like them who'd also discovered the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they just hung with them and got on with it. Um, <clears throat> but they suddenly had more power and more passion in their prayer life. Just like that, just from this experience. Suddenly, when they gave a, a witness to someone else and told them their story, it had more power in it and people were more engaged with it. Just like that. You know, everything changed. And they got this new language that they never learned. And they found that when they spoke in that language, it built them up. It made them feel courage and made them feel strong. Um, it did them some good. Um, and they felt like they had this like pipeline of direct communication to God. Nobody knows what I'm saying. It's like encryption, you know? Nobody knows what I'm saying except God. But who cares? I'm crafting the perfect prayers in this prayer language that is unique to me. It's mysterious. It's the most mysterious thing about our Christian practice. But it's wonderful. It's awesome. My personal story is I am also baptised in the Holy Spirit and have been for decades, and I can't imagine living life without him. And the most significant interplay and interaction between me and the Holy Spirit is he gives me understanding. He helps me to understand stuff. And it's really good. I don't think I could cope without it. He, if I ask and wait, he just gives it to me as a gift. Oh, you didn't realise this, but... Bring, oh oh, wow, well, if that's the case, then I should do this. Exactly. Great. Thank you for showing me that. It's not stuff that I could 
do by striving or pushing or working it out with my own intellect. It's not that. It's miraculous knowledge. I didn't know it, now I know it. Just like that. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. It's easy to remember because it's 333. You know how sometimes you find it hard to remember the address for a verse in the Bible? Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. I'll tell you stuff you don't know. And there, do you reckon you could search it up for yourself without God? No, because it says it's unsearchable, right? So Google, sorry. These are answers to things that can't be found on Google. But the Holy Spirit can just go, there you go. And now you know what you need to know to move forward confidently and do what you need to do. Isn't that great? Yeah. Wow, you guys are really quiet. The Bible says that we, as humans, we have imperfect knowledge. We don't know anywhere near as much as we need to, to be successful. But the Holy Spirit is God and he knows everything. And he's not going to tell us everything because, you know, our poor little brains would just explode. But he's going to tell us little bits we need to know to get stuff done and to move forward and to be successful. You won't be doing research. It'll come to you faster than that. No research required. You won't be making deductions, putting all the clues together like a detective. As a matter of fact, you might arrive at a conclusion and go, wow, I had no idea we were going to get to here. This is surprising, but nonetheless, it's true. Okay, so it's be, it defies your reasoning. It's, it's more than instinct. It's more than intuition. It's something else above and apart from that. It's moving from you don't know to you now know. In a moment in time, suddenly you know it. <laughs> it's great. Um, you should try it. Challenge accepted. You should test it this week with the situation that you face at work or at home or with your friends or relatives or whatever you're doing. Just try it. Just test it out. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you stuff you don't know. He'll tell you stuff. And it might not be, um, you know, the answer to the question you asked the way you phrased it. Uh, you know, God can't be manipulated like that. But why don't you just say, talk to me about this situation. Leave it really open. Get him to tell you whatever he wants to about that thing. And whatever he tells you, it'll help. It'll be the thing that you need to know. Sometimes we don't even know what we need to know like a math student in my class. And I go, I know, you don't know, but I know that if I can just get this concept across to you, you'll be able to do all that algebra, all that stuff there. 15 pages worth of stuff, you'll be able to do it if you just understand this concept. So I work really hard with the student, we do the learning together, we co-create it, and they arrive at a place where they go, oh, I think I get that now. And I go, okay, solve this problem. They go, oh. Oh, okay, and they do it. I can do this now. I go, I know, isn't that cool? As a matter of fact, you can do all of that just because you understand that. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that for us. He wants to show us the thing that's going to unlock the stuff. Show us the information that's going to 
break open something for us so we can get there, so we can finally get around that thing and move on. That's what he wants. He wants freedom. And I feel like I get a little insight into what he's like when I do that with students. That's what drives him. He's like, hey, I can bring freedom to you. I can set you free. I can move you on if you just get this. Sorry, getting all puffed. I'm very excited about this, obviously. Um, <laughs> but last week, Pastor Mel talked about this, the tension, the, you know, the ongoing pull, pull, pull between our flesh and our spirit. Two parts of us that don't get along. Each of them wants to dominate and be in control. But unfortunately, the flesh is more used to being in control. It's been the boss for a while, and it doesn't like the spirit taking over. So it always resists. It's always going to, for the rest of your life, it's going to resist. And it's going to say, oh, there must be some sort of scientific explanation. Science or pseudoscience or something. There must be, oh, maybe you just saw clues, but you didn't realize you'd seen it, and you just, you know, deduced it in your own, in your own intellect. You know, it will try to create ways to tear down the supernatural aspect of it and, and try to discount it. But if you want to get it, you're going to have to let that go. You're going to have to say, hey, you know what? Just sit in the back seat for a minute and shh, shh, shh. I'm just going to let the Spirit take the wheel and I'm going to go into this place, mysterious place, and I want God to speak to me. So you'll just need to shh, shh, shh. Just wait back there. You'll have to do that. You'll have to make that decision. Pastor Phil Pringle describes it as like tuning in. You tune in and then you fine-tune because you get used to what it feels like when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But to do it, you really have to tell your mind to be quiet sometimes. I want to engage in a spiritual way with a spiritual God in a personal interaction. It's like that. So, what kinds of things would he talk to us about? Well, I've got four things, four sort of categories that I came up with. Probably could have come up with 12, but let's just leave it at four to, for today. The first one is daily decisions and interactions. So, you're going to work, you're on the bus with the same person who catches the same bus as you all the time, you often sit next to them and chat while you go. Uh, you go to the gym, sometimes you see the same people at the gym and sometimes you talk to them. You're just coming and going in your daily life and there's lots of stuff and meetings and interactions and so daily decisions, right? I have this, like a cartoon character, bing, light bulb moment when I call to the Holy Spirit and ask him about situations. I wait and after some time, suddenly I realise something that I'd missed. I go, oh, hang on, just wait there, I'll be back in a minute and go and print something and bring it to the meeting. I'll need this with us. Because the Holy Spirit reminded me. Sometimes I gain a different perspective, another way of looking at it, which is a bit more like the other person's way of looking at it, and it changes what I plan to do. Or I just know the other person's motive. I just know what's driving their behaviour. I get it. Sometimes it can be so hard to figure out what's driving another person's behaviour. You just go, why is this colleague at work so weird with me all the time? I don't know why. All I see is the behavior on top. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. So if he was to show me what's driving that person is fear, then I would go into that interaction or that meeting 
or that professional discussion, and I would, I would go in in a reassuring way. Not an assertive way. I would go, well, if their problem is fear, I'm going to be very reassuring. And that will balance out the... Inter- it will solve the defensiveness. It'll, it'll sort things out. If the Holy Spirit was to show me that their problem is doubt, I would go in there determined to sow seeds of hope, bring, be a hope bringer in that situation to counteract the problem. And it'd be a better outcome. Every meeting would go better. Every meeting would go really smoothly. Can you imagine that? Get home at night. How's your day? Brilliant. Again. (laughs) So I'm talking about, you know, a meeting with parents to try to figure out the challenges that are stopping their child from engaging with their learning. That's what I'm talking about. I go into that kind of meeting and I ask the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I pause in the corridor on the way to the meeting and wait. And I might wait for 20 seconds. And then he goes, gives me something, and I go, okay, cool. I'm going into this meeting slightly differently to how I thought I was, just because of what you just showed me. I know, it seems too easy, doesn't it? (laughs) It is, really. Once you get used to it, it's pretty easy. He wants to show you stuff. He knows it. He knows it'll help. Bible describes him as a helper. He wants to help. I'm talking about sitting at the negotiating table with other government representatives to try to identify a win-win outcome. If the Holy Spirit was to show you their desires, what's driving them, what they want out of this, you could go, I can figure, now that I know that, I'm not going to just say it, but I could figure out a way that you get what you want and save face and I get what I want too. So I'll go in with this proposal and you'll go, that sounds actually remarkably good. All right, maybe we could agree on that brilliant. This has been a great meeting. How was work today? Brilliant. (laughs) Again. Um, So, daily decisions, but also, two, doctrine. Doctrine, what we believe and why. The verse in Corinthians there talks about knowing things that God has given us. We've got the Spirit so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Another way of saying that phrase is theology. Our understanding of God, what he's like, what he's done, what it means for us. Theology. The Holy Spirit takes a lead role in unpacking doctrine. A lead role in gaining more understanding of our theology. Learning theology is a dynamic process. There's two people in play here. You and the Holy Spirit and you're both active. You're both doing stuff. We read, we study, we look at original words in original languages, we cross-reference with Bible dictionaries, and we look at lexicons, and we look at, we look at the cultural and historical contexts that reveal even more layers of meaning. That's study, right? Study to show yourself approved. We're doing that, but while we're doing it, the Holy Spirit's hovering over us and going, whoop, just shining a bit of light on and we go, oh, wow, that, yeah, right, and that leads us off on a little goose, goose chase here, and we go, oh, that was really interesting, and, you know, and then he goes, whoop, what about this, and you go, oh, and that's connected, oh, wow, hang on, just let me look at the lexicon, and you, that's what it's like, it's like an exciting, interactive experience, it's not <laughs> passive, isolated, intellectual, dry, boring exercise. But that's what a lot of people think theology is. Dry and boring, intellectual, passive. The information is there. I can just study it if I want, help myself to it. But 
it's not particularly engaging. But that's not what my, that's not what happens to me when I read my Bible. Things leap off the page, and I go, "Oh wow, I've never seen that before. I've read that verse fifty times, never seen it like that before." Because the Holy Spirit just goes, "Bing," and I go, "Awesome!" And that is what I've just described is how I prepare every single sermon. Every time I get up to preach, it's based on something fresh that I just saw for the first time in the Bible while I was reading it and studying it to get ready, and the Holy Spirit went, how about that? How about that? Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, Three, number three, category number three. Unhelpful things deep in our character. And the mood changed. Psalms 139, verse 23, which I used to think was one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God knows what we carry anxiety about better than we do. My daughter had surgery recently and I thought... I'm good. Everything's under control. I've taken a week of leave just so that I can be available and sort it and help. And I'm very centred and I'm very calm. And everything's good. Everything's under control. And then I stepped on the scales to realise I'd lost two kilos in five days. And I went, okay, obviously I was stressed and anxious, even though I was determined not to be. And even though I had told myself I wasn't. God knows what's really happening in the inner parts better than we do sometimes about ourselves. Our knowledge of ourself is also flawed. I have prayed this scripture in the past and had God uncover something that had hurt me and then commence a process of healing about that thing, but only after he had brought it out of what psychologists call the blind spot, the unknown unknown. He brought it out of there so it was in my conscious, aware area and then he began to deal with me with that thing and walk through a healing process about it. I didn't even know it was there. Didn't even know till he showed me when I prayed this prayer. I said, search me God. See if there's anything in there that you think I'd be better off without and show it to me. What? Was that in there? I've also prayed this prayer and had God show me that I was holding on to unforgiveness against someone about something that happened. And I was like, yeah, I knew that the thing happened, but I was pretty sure that I'd forgiven them and moved on, but apparently I just really adeptly just shoved it down. And it was still in there like a festering boil. It was still in there like a silent assassin, waiting to undermine my character at some point, waiting to, you know, undermine my confidence. And God goes, well, since you've asked... (laughs) me to search you, Uh, you probably need to forgive this person. I'm like, what? I thought I already had. Try it. Test it. See what happens. I promise you that the Holy Spirit is kind when he does this and gentle about it. And he only does it because he knows it will be for your benefit and lead you to a place where you're more calm, more peaceful, more free, and he wants you to arrive there. Even if this little journey is difficult, he will reveal it to you 
And if you respond the right way and go, well, I'm, not, I'm ready to accept that and deal with it however you think is best and just manage our way through this until I reach there because I want to be there as much as you want me to be there. If that made sense, the way I said that. All right, four. Our own need to be rescued and saved. In Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus asks his disciples, so, what's the word around the street? Who are people saying I am? What are people saying about me? And what people said then and what people say now, not terribly different. Many people have put Jesus into box A, box B, box... But no matter which one they put him in, oh, he was just a really great person, just a really great human being. Historical figure, sure. Great person, but that's all. That's all. That's box A. Box B, he was a prophet, actually like a great rabbi, an incredible teacher, profound words, and, you know, a great prophet. So one of the many prophets... We'll just put him in that group of all these cool people with Moses, with Elijah, you know, just, just like another one of them. So he was really great, box B. And Jesus goes, what about you? Makes it real personal. Hey, Peter, what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And it's like the whole world disappears. You know in movies when the camera goes <laughs> and everything seems to disappear except that person just standing there in the middle of nothing? And the way Peter responds is famous. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. You came with a mission to save me. You weren't just sent by God, you are God. There's no way except you to eternal life. There's no plan B, but you came to take care of it all, so no plan B is necessary, and I can be in relationship with God. I see that now. I get it. I understand. Jesus says back to Peter, flesh and blood did not show you that. You did not get that from your flesh. God showed it to you. You only know that because God gave you that knowledge as a gift right there. And that's one of the most important realisations we need to have is who Jesus really is and how crucial he is to our eternity. And Peter realised it right there. In fact, Peter, you just spat out the most profound truth imaginable. You tradie without a proper education who's got no idea about theology. Good job, Pete. You know, the Greek word in there... In Matthew and the Greek word in 1 Corinthians for that realization, that revelation, that understanding coming is a Greek word apocalypto. Does that sound like another word to you? I thought to myself, that sounds like apocalypse. It's almost spelt exactly the same apocalypto. And it only occurs twice in the whole Bible, there and there. Yeah, apocalypse. 2001, a space odyssey. Think bright light. Blinding light that can be seen all around the globe. Massive noise. That kind of realisation. Your flesh might go, oh, it can all be explained away. But not if it's like, but I know. It's certain. First John 5.13 says that we may know we have eternal life. Not just cross our fingers, hope to die, hope I get there one day. Maybe I'll see you there, I'm not sure. We'll know. That kind of thing, not uncertain at all. 
And it's like, you know, when you're watching MasterChef and they, they say you've got an hour and a half and it ticks down and there's all this stress and whatever and they're making this intricate and detailed and perfect dessert or something with some tower and multiple layers and crunch stuff there. And, and then after an hour and a half, they have the big reveal. You know, here it is. They slide it across the table. Oh, that's amazing. The big reveal, it's like that. The Holy Spirit doing the big reveal. Or it's like, it's like the magician puts the blanket over the cage. I know you saw it before. <laughs> and this is my assistant, blah, blah. I know you saw it before. And there was nothing in there. It was empty. But Wah! And everyone goes, oh, there's a tiger in there now. It's like that. It's like that. doesn't matter if it's your daily decisions. What should I do in this meeting? Holy Spirit wants to go, Wah! Oh, you're right. I should do that. That would be perfect. Because he cares about you and everything that happens to you all day. doesn't matter if it's your doctrine. You're reading your Bible. He wants to go, what? Ever thought about that before? And you're like, wow, that's so cool. And, and it becomes this beautiful process of studying the Bible instead of just a boring routine. doesn't matter if it's an unhelpful thing in your character. Search me, God. Hey, going to be gentle, but... Did you realize that was in there? Really? Don't worry. Let's work on it together. Or our own need to be rescued and saved and understand who Jesus is. Maybe you're sitting in this meeting and you've had this. That's who he really is. Well, if that's the case, I need to respond. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart or come back to him, it's really easy. We're all going to pray a prayer together, out loud, as a big, big group. And you can just pray along with us in the, in the general noise. But pray it out loud yourself. Make it personal to you and give your life to Christ right now. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I'm sorry for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to come in to my heart and my life and I thank you that today I am saved thanks for listening we hope to see you in church again this weekend to find out more about our church find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au